stay on the bill till we had some time to kill. Now there's the pattern, little feet. Don't get me wrong, the child is sweet. I hope your womanhood's complete. Oh, just the twenty of us. I'm sorry, I thought it looked like more. There's just the eight of us. Stereos in every room. Just the eight of us. Sounds just like a sonic boom. There's just the eight of us. I know this house is doomed. Today's only Thursday for crying out loud. Thursday. You gotta wait till Friday. It's always strange. I've I've uh, I've had a lot of people work for me. And I've found out it's a funny thing that you give them Saturday and Sunday off, and they work so hard to get to those two days. And those are the two days that they totally destroy themselves. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you think to yourself, you say, my goodness, I've really pounded these people and worked them to death. And Friday comes and they say, yeah, and then they come in Mondays. <laughs> so, boy, am I glad to be back here. I'm no good on my own. I was given two old days and I just went crazy. Yeah. I don't know where you get these people from. Sometimes I think it's drugs. <laughs> it's got to be drugs, because people on pure air don't worry about things like that. <laughs> you know, the drugs, the drugs, I, I really think, I think drugs make people, you know, they get like... <laughs> I've seen them, you know, they take a, you know, and, and they, they have to hold it in, see? See, that's the problem with smoking. You have to look. Now, your body doesn't want it, so it starts to kick it out, whether you want to hold it or not, so you begin to... about drugs is that while you're doing that the person sitting next to you is going hey man pass that over 
people get stoned. Now, this is the fun part of getting stoned. They get stoned, then they become paranoid. Now, when they started out, they said, let's get high and have fun. So they're high, now they're paranoid. Am I falling out of this chair? <laughs> then I've known people who've gotten stoned and they start to laugh and nobody knows what they're laughing at. You know, they just... But the biggest one is the cocaine. There they go. There they go. Cocaine, Jack. You say cocaine, man. They give it, you know, people say, yeah. Sure, I'll do a few lines. And I said to a guy, I said, uh, tell me, you know, what is it about cocaine? That makes it so wonderful. And the guy said, well, it intensifies your personality. <laughs> and I said, yes, but what if you're an asshole? this whole thing of drinking, getting drunk, and, and people saying that they're having a good time. Because if you, if you put on a good suit, you put on a good suit or whatever, and you say, I'm going out to have a good time. But some people announce it. I'm going out because I deserve to go out, and I'm going to get drunk because I deserve to get drunk. And get out of my way. <laughs> now these people get up there and they drink and they drink and they drink. 
and the body begins to tell you. Please, you better slow down. <laughs> so now you have a person who came in and they were walking like this. See, there's different kinds of walks for, for drunken people. Now, for instance, if you just have a regular old raggedy bourbon drunk, you know, they go like, You know, and they're really trying to maintain. And the people keep leaning the room on them, you know. See, now you can get a gin drunk. Gin and vodka, you know, martini. Now, these are the people very, you know, they have their own business. And they just stop off uh, about six or seven. <laughs> and their fingers pickled because that's what they stare to drink up with. <laughs> and they do a lot of this when they talk. <laughs> with a drink, so you drink spurps on your shoe, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and you're looking at your shoe. You know. <laughs> and they hum a lot when they hum, how have you been? It's fine. You're nice to see your game. Um, oh, pardon me. Um, you know, very smooth people, you know. See, then, of course, the, the obvious one is the winos. But see, winos, once they get down to where they cannot walk anymore, you know, they, they just kind of heel toe it, you know. And, just kind of easy going to get it. Now, you have, like, since the country western thing has happened, you got all these people with the cowboy hats and a buckle. And they just drink a lot of beer. And, uh, see, there they are. <laughs> see, and, and beer drinkers are really different people because they, something happens to their hearing. They go almost, they have everything. Hey! <laughs> All right! Now, they drink a lot of beer, and the beer does not go here. It goes in one leg. And when that leg fills up, then they have to take it to the john, see? <laughs> and so when they walk, you know, they <laughs> Now, when, when they come out of the bathroom, then you can tell, see? So it's, it's empty now, you see. They step up to the bar and fill it back up. Now, when it gets so that, you know, it's like a shot, I gotta go... Hey! I've got to go again. Oh! But this is always like this, always hanging out. And you keep doing like this and everything. Oh, uh, anyone to go ride this mechanical animal and fall and bust their face, you know. And, I rode the bull at Jilly's and bust my face, you know. A uh, picture of an idiot in action. But now... The person who has dedicated themselves to going out 
and getting so drunk that they're going to get sick is all-time dumb person. They stand there, this drinking, drinking. Now, the body says, don't take another drink. So you reach out and you go in the stomach, say, messengers come down, he's taking another drink. All right, reverse gears. But just take it up to the top of the neck. This stuff comes up to here. Now give him a small burp. sweat machine. Now people say, are you all right? Of course I'm going to speak. <laughs> now you've got to go. So you come into the bathroom. Close the door. Now don't forget, you owe this to yourself. You worked hard all week. It's come to this. if you saw your shoes come out of your mouth. You say, yes! Now that wave has stopped. You say, You put your head on the side of the bowl and you thank the toilet bowl. Thank you, toilet bowl. Thank you so much for being cool on the side. 
Only you understand me, toilet boy. You're the only friend I have. My wonderful toilet bowl. Now, people keep coming to the door. Are you all right? And he said, oh, yes. I'm always like this all the time. Just having a little picnic. Just listening to the toilet bowl. And that's called having a good time. I never understand that. <laughs> I mean, it's all right if you're a teenager, you know, and you've never, you've never had, and you've never had it before, you know, and you say, well, what is this all about? You know, you just keep drinking, get sick, and throw up. But grown people do that on weekends, and then they come back to work and they go, oh god, my head, <laughs> strange. Dentists tell you not to pick your teeth with any sharp metal object. Then you sit in their chair. And the first thing they grab is an iron hook. And they start to pick in an area that you came to get fixed. And I found out something about myself while the dentist was doing that. I found out if I was ever paralyzed from the knee down, I'd be able to walk with my behind. Because the whole time he kept doing that, I just kept... He was sit up. I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. Sit up. I'm, I'm sorry. Now the dentist pulls out a needle. This is to deaden the pain. She opened up. Now, a regular doctor giving you a shot will go, and that's it. Dentists don't do that. They go, and you're there. Then they want to talk to you. Do you ever do any fishing? Where do you usually go? Yes, I've been there many times myself. Now he pulls the needle out. Puts this thing in your mouth. This will suck up your face. The dentist goes outside to laugh at you. And you sit, grown-up, intelligent human being, arguing with this thing. You also notice that the right side of your face feels like it's sliding off of your skull. And your bottom lip is in your lap. So the dentist comes back, you want to talk to him. So you, you say, I just went wondering. I beg your pardon? I just said it. I just went wondering. 
Abiari Marizeres. I don't understand. Marizeres. Marizeres. Do you see Marizeres? The what? Eris, Eris, Iri, Iri. Marizeres. Is your face? Yes. What's the matter with it? What did it mean, Mary, baby? Marizeres. Marizeres is heavy down. Dirigeres. Dirigeres. It is my bottom limit. It wasn't like this when I came in here. Well, I'll fix it. I hope so. Because if you put a needle in my mouth, my service wouldn't die like this. My bottom limit is on the floor. So I can't live with it like this now. I'll fix it. I'll be crazy. Now he starts to drill. And you see and smell smoke coming out of your mouth. So you say, What's the matter? Smoke. And what? Smoke, smoke, smoke. There is some smoke. I don't understand. Do you understand the fire? There's a fire in my mouth and the smoke is coming out because of fire. And my face is heavy on the floor. The fire? Yes. Where? Never mind, never mind. Now he drills some more and you hear him make a mistake. And to cover it up, they all say the same thing. Okay, rinse. Ribbons? You ask me the ribbons? I'm the head of bottom lady. How can I ribbons? Give it a try. Give it a try. Oh, Katie. Grab the cup, pour the water, it runs all down. I hope that you are satisfied. You are satisfied. I put the word in my mouth. I told you I can't read it because I didn't want to read it. The word is all down in my letter. I hope that you are satisfied. Rinse again. Give it to me. Give it to me. So you figure out what it is. Now you're going to spit into this miniature toilet bowl. You have no bottom lip, so you let it all fall out. Say, thank God for gravity. Now, you want to sit back, but you can't, because hanging from your bottom lip is a long line, and you can't get it off your bottom lip. Oh, if you want to be gross, you can grab it and throw it over there. But you try to be smooth about it, you know, you say... And it's breaking over here and it's breaking over there. 
try to blow it off, the <laughs> just vibrating. So you figure maybe if you sit back, it'll snap in half. So you sit back. Now you have a line from the bowl to your bottom lip. The dentist looks at it and says, "Oh, look, a rainbow." You have to pay him for that. Anyway, I didn't come here to tell you that. <laughs> I、uh, wanted to discuss some very serious matters here. The <coughs> pardon me. My wife and I were intellectuals <laughs> before we had children. <laughs> we were very, very bright people.、Uh, my wife graduated from the University of Maryland, child psychology major with a B plus average. Which means that if you ask her a question about a child's behavior, she will give you at least an 85 answer. <laughs> I, from Temple University, physical education major with child psychology minor, which means that if you ask me a question about a child's behavior, I will tell you to tell the child to take a lap. <laughs> Needless to say. We felt qualified to handle having children, and we planned to have children. We sat in the back seat of a car. <laughs> and discussed it. Children, one have children and bring them up. And we spoke to God. About the children, and we were afraid to ask God for specific things. We 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 felt that it might be too much. We said to God, "Please give us a healthy child," and we left it at that, not knowing that God is a generous God. But also has a sense of humor, <laughs> and that if you leave that much open for God, some wonderful jokes are going to come about. <laughs> Still being intellectuals, my wife and I decided to bring our first child into the world by way of natural childbirth. <laughs> Now we were intellectuals, mind you, which means that. Intellectuals go to study things that people do naturally. <laughs> you see,、uh, let, let's think about it. Childbirth is a natural thing. The pains come automatically. The muscles tighten and push down, and the mother is there. And all you need, as they say in every movie, is hot water. 
get the hot water, you know, and they just send some fool around. Yes, hot water, hot water, you know, and bothers everybody in the world. Hot water. But even if you don't have hot water, the baby's going to come. Kerboom. Natural. Nature takes its course. Wabo. And there it is. You understand? You just need somebody there to grab hold, the, you know, to grab the rope. You know, there, keep pulling there. It's coming out there. It'll be right there in a second, see? Natural childbirth. People do it all around the deprived countries, quote-unquote, deprived countries of the world. Women and the ladies out there picking the rice or doing whatever in the thing, and all of a sudden you say, blam, the child falls out. They cut the cord, tie it, and the kid's there with the rice, with the mother. Natural childbirth. Intellectuals go to class to study how to do this. My wife and I sat in class to learn how to have natural child birth. And the first thing they teach you is that you have to breathe properly. See, so when you press down on the muscles, the breathing. That's my wife's job. So she's there. And she was good. Now, the father's job, and the father must be there for these classes. And they give the father a diploma also. And if you don't get a diploma, you cannot come to the birth. See? So my job is to bend my wife in half and say, push. Now, if I don't go to class, I don't get a diploma for this. So I can't come to the birth. So my wife is there, and I'm there, push, and I'm the cheerleader. Push him out, shove him out, way out. Push him out, shove him out, way out. And my wife is a wonderful breather. And we were the best in our class. And I began to breathe with my wife, macho style. Zuff, woof, whiff, woof, push, push, zuff, woof, whiff, woof, push, push. <laughs> we went to parties and people asked us to breathe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the breathing Cosby's. <laughs> Natural childbirth. Natural childbirth means no drugs will be administered into the female's body during the delivery. The father can have all he wants. <laughs> On the ninth month, my wife called to me from the balcony of our California home. Bill! I became excited. I said, Bush! Then I remembered we have to go to the hospital for the natural childbirth. So I run into the car. I got a Ferrari. I do 104 from the garage to the front door. So my wife comes out. She gets in the car. 180 and we're breathing. And I'm in my Ferrari, man, $17,000 Ferrari. And my wife said, oh, it's not there, please, wait, not there. 
No, not in the Ferrari, please. And I pull over. We go in the bushes. We go in the bushes, but don't, not in the car, dear. She don't be okay. I say, not in the Hold everything. I'll get you there. So we pull up to the hospital. The Marx Brothers jump out. Put my wife in the wheelchair. Run her down to the delivery room. I signed her in. They put the hat on me, the thing on backwards, the booties on the shoes. I run into the delivery room. They got my wife all prepped and her legs way up in the stairs. And the doctor's sitting there like Johnny Bench. The first real pain hit my wife. And my wife said, and I said, push. Carol Burnett described what labor pains feel like. She said, take your bottom lip and pull it over your head. The second pain hit. My wife said, and stood up in the stirrups. Grabbed my bottom lip. And said, I want morphine. I said, but dear, she said, you shut up. You did this to me. And on the next contraction, she told everybody in the delivery room that my parents were never married. back to breathing and I'm sitting there push push my wife's getting tired I don't want to push anymore I don't want to push no you've got to push dear come on dear you've got to I don't want to oh no no Bill tell them to give me some no dear you can do it no I don't want to graduate from the class anymore I want to please dear come on you can do it and I look in the rearview mirror and I see the head and Johnny Bench is still sitting there like so I said, uh, isn't that the head? He said, yeah. I said, well, go get it. <laughs> he says, it's stuck. I said, well, get the salad spoons, man. So he gets the salad spoons, and the baby comes out. Now this is the greatest moment in our lives. 
This is what we asked God for. This is what we wanted to see if we could make. And I looked at it. And they started to clean it off. And it wasn't getting any better. And I went over to my wife and I kissed her ever so gently on the lips. And I said, darling, I love you very, very much. You just had a lizard. Because the thing changed colors three times. And the neck and head wouldn't work. It just kept... And I said to the doctor, can you put this back? Because it isn't done yet. It needs to cook another three months, maybe. The hospital made us take it home. My mother looked at it and said, oh, how precious. I don't know why she said it. Well, I didn't know then. I know now. Because my mother had put a curse on me. A long time ago, I remember when I was a child what she said. And I've later found out that mothers, all mothers put a curse on their children. And they say, I hope when you get married, you have some children who act exactly the same way that you act. And this curse works. I mean, it started with that child. My wife and I have not been intellectual since. Oh, my wife was pretty good for a while. But it didn't last that long. It didn't last two years. My father, he was so happy. See, I had a daughter. And I'd wanted a son. And I bragged that I was going to bring a son. My father and my mother had four boys. So why not? I'm a Cosby. Son. Want a son... Carry the ball for me. Play football, basketball, run track. My boy. I sit in the stands. Is that your son? Yes, it's my boy. <laughs> See the ball running the touchdown with the name Cosby on the back? That's my son. I would have done it myself, but I'm too old now. So I gave him the business. He's just in charge of running touchdowns. You know, go to the dinners. And the athlete of the year... Little Cosby. And there's his father, Big Cosby. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And I don't mind. I, I, you know, I, I realize that with great, great athletes, uh, you know, it's a different thing. Father, you, you grab the boy when he's like this, see. You say, come here, boy. 
two years old, you say, get down. Dad show you how to do it. Now, you come at me. Run through me. There, see? Get back up. Get back up. See? You didn't do it right. Now, come at me. See? Now, and you teach them. See? You say, now, go attack that tree. Bite it. Come on back. Bite it again. You teach them all that. Tackle me. Bam! And then soon he's bigger and he's stronger and he can hit you and you don't want him to hit you anymore. You say, all right, son, turn him loose on high school. And he's running up and down the field, high school, touchdown, 800 touchdowns per game. You say, yes, that's my son. And he goes to the big college playing for a big school, 3 million students and 800,000 people in the stand. National TV and he catches the ball and he doesn't even bother to get out of the way. He just runs over everybody. <laughs> for a TV and turn around and the camera's on him and you're looking and he says, Hi, Mom. <laughs> well, you don't mind that. You know who taught him. But God has a sense of humor. And God said, Let him have a girl. Came out. And, uh, I had my child there, firstborn, at home, and it does something to you when you become a father. You're, you're home, you know, really home. And the, the baby was dirty. She'd made a, she'd made a little poo-poo. <laughs> my wife and I were so happy when the child made the poo-poo. We had asked the judge, don't you want to make the poo-poo? Hey, come on, you made your boo-boo, you can boo-boo as you want to be. And the baby said, Is that right? You want to make your boo-boo, you boo-boo when you want your boo-boo. And my wife and I were so happy, we showed it to each other. Is it the boo-boo? Oh, that's a beautiful boo-boo. And we called our parents up, come over, see the boo-boo. And they came over. Oh, my God, will you look at the poo-poo? <laughs> Two months later, God put odor in the poo-poo. <laughs> and it became a mess. <laughs> Parents didn't want to change the child anymore. And they talked to the child. Will you look at what you just did? <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. You made a mess. Yucky, icky. Messy. But as I said before, I was there changing my daughter. My father stood over my shoulder, put his head over my shoulder. He said, uh, what you got there, son? I said, it's a baby. He said, well, it looks to me like you didn't put the stem on the apple. <laughs> so I said, yeah, Dad, you're, you're right. Shame. I said, yeah. He said, well, you still got another chance. I said, I have a lot of chances, Camille's. Young and I'm young. He said, no, I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about this child right here. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, grab hold of her nose and blow real hard in her mouth. 
Now, as ridiculous as some things may sound, there comes a time of desperation when no one's looking that you will give the ridiculous a try. Needless to say, I'm happy to announce that she's still a daughter. I had trouble putting her eyes back in. Before my wife came to the room. How did her eyes get out? I don't know, dear. Just I'm happy to announce also that girls are much cleaner. They're much easier to deal with in terms of maturity and what's expected of them. I have a son. He's 11 years old now. And I will tell you that I don't think that the boy is going to live much longer. (laughs) Now, it is not I nor my wife who are going to destroy this boy. He has four sisters, two in front and two in back. They have had a meeting about him. And I listened to the meeting. They didn't know. And even the four-year-old was hostile. They're going to kill him. I didn't know how serious it is to a female that you lift the lid. (laughs) But these women are serious about killing him the next time he leaves that lid down. (laughs) See, the only problem I have with him is he won't zip up his fly. That bothers me. It's, you know, it's almost a sign of someone who's not intelligent. You know, you walk around with your fly over your son, zip up. Oh, yes, zip. But that didn't bother me. Once I went to pick him up at school and, and his class let out. And it's about 18, 11-year-olds. All I mean, all of them. They had to fly down. <laughs> so I didn't worry about my son. I, must be some class thing, you know. But, as I said before, we've found out an awful lot about God and the sense of humor. The mother's curse works. My wife and I have five children. And the reason why we have five children is because we do not want six. (laughs) And those we have, we want to get out of the house before we die just to get them out. My wife was a beautiful woman before the children came. I've never met a more beautiful looking woman in the face, in the body, and in the mind than my wife. Then the children came and that curse began to take its toll. 
My wife's face began to change. The corners of her mouth dropped down. And when she talked, her eyebrows went up and down. And her right hand became deformed. And when she talked, she shook her finger like this while I tell you, get out of here, I don't you tell me. What the curse did to her. But the reason why the curse works is because all children have brain damage. And that's what makes the parent's face look like that. Now, those of you who have no children, let me describe the brain damage. You come in the room with a Coca-Cola. You set it down, you go to get a newspaper. The child comes walking in, grabs the drink, starts to You say, give me that. Didn't I just tell you not to drink it? The child says, aha. Uh-huh. You say, what did I just say? You said, for two knock for two drinks, you drink. So every time I tell you that, don't I? I say, when I have a drink, don't you drink it. Don't I say that? Uh-huh. Now tell me what I said. You said, what to not for to drink to drink. That's right. You put it down. You go to get the paper. The child picks it up again. And quickly starts to drink it. You say, give me that. Didn't I just tell you to the uh-huh. Well, why did you do it? I don't know. Well, that's brain damage. If you know you're not supposed to do something, and you do it, and then people say, why did you do it? You say, I don't know. Brain damage. And that's what parents have to deal with all day. That's all you see. People, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You get two people in the house, and they start to yell, will you stop touching me? Will you stop touching me? And you have to get up and go find out what's going on. So you run over, you say, what's going on? Well, she's touching me. So you figure you can solve it. Look, don't touch her anymore, okay? Yeah, but she touched me first. And you say, well, why didn't you tell her? You're, now you're talking like that. Why didn't you say you had touched her first? Well, I didn't touch her. Somebody touched her. So you say something brilliant. Like, Look, I don't want anybody in this house to touch another person as long as you live. And that's why people look the way they look. My parents never smiled because I had brain damage. My wife and I don't smile because our children are loaded with it. Oh, my parents smile now whenever they come over to my house and they see how much trouble I'm having. Oh, they have a ball. <laughs> have a little trouble, huh, son? I mean, I never thought that I would sound like other parents. People I've heard who are ridiculous sounding, or were, before I had children. I mean, you call a child, you say, come here, come here. No, they don't hear that. They're gone. You say, come here. They <laughs> so you have to send a barrage of hears after you. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Here. <laughs> Sound like a tobacco auctioneer. <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit, 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 sit. 
No, 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 no. Here, 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 here. Stop it, 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 stop it. I used to think that my father was an idiot because the man could not complete a full sentence. I now understand why he sounded that way. See, when you're a father, you censor yourself. You try not to curse. You get just as angry with a child, and you don't want to say, Well, what the filth, and I'll bust your filth and foul, and I'll filth your face, and yeah, you filth and foul, foul, filth, and I'll filth, and you're a foul filth. Well, you don't want to say that to a child, so you censor yourself, and you sound like an idiot. So what the? Get your... I'll put a... Get out of my face. So you, my wife, the mothers look like this. Fathers have a different look. Theirs is like. <laughs> and fathers always say the same thing. Where's your mother? I flew from Hartford, Connecticut to Las Vegas just within the last few years. <laughs> I will never forget a mother age 30 through got on the plane. Very attractive looking woman, well built, lovely face. Hair put up in the bun, sprayed heavily. <laughs> Earrings looking very upper, middle income, gold on the fingers. And she had with her little Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey is four years old. I know that because Jeffrey kept walking around the plane. Just anybody... I'm four years old. I'm four, I'm four years old. I was, I was three, but now I'm four years old. Little Jeffrey. I remember his name not because he said to me, I'm four years old, but because Jeffrey's mother said his name all 2,500 miles of the trip. <laughs> Nobody on first class could sleep. Because the woman, Jeffrey, will you get down? Jeffrey, will, Jeffrey, don't do that. Jeffrey, come over here. Oh, look at what you've done, Jeffrey. You've kicked the Jeffrey, will you please, Jeffrey? Put your jacket. Don't do that, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, and Jeffrey would stand up in the chair and look at the little man behind the I thought, yes, 
And nobody could sleep, just Jeffrey Tubman. Then Jeffrey would get out. She'd let him run around. Jeffrey run around with chocolate on his hand. Put it on your trousers. I'm four years old. Jeffrey, get over. Don't you see what you've done to the man, Jeffrey? Jeffrey, don't you? Jeffrey, sit down. Jeffrey, just... And she'd sit him down higher and higher. She'd lift him and hold him and let him drop. <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. And Jeffrey would... <laughs> Jeffrey, be quiet. <laughs> and then Jeffrey would cough. <laughs> People began to hate Jeffrey. One gentleman invited Jeffrey into the men's room to play with the blue water. Emotionally, people began to fear Jeffrey. And nobody slept. Five minutes before the plane landed, Jeffrey fell asleep. <laughs> and grown people in first class took great delight as they walked out in waking Jeffrey up. <laughs> Goodbye, Jeffrey! <laughs> and they'd laugh. <laughs> Sounding like Renfield. <laughs> And Jeffrey's mother, hair mangled and just hanging by the ball that was sprayed. And the mascara had run. And the lines caused by her anger gone deeper into her face. She looked much older. She looked tired. She picked Jeffrey up. Jeffrey's little limp, sleeping body twitched. She carried him off. And there at the end of the runway, at the end of the ramp, rather, was Jeffrey's father, smiling, well-tanned, little red, white, and blue checkered golf pants on, <laughs> short sleeve shirt. And Jeffrey's mother handed Jeffrey to the father and punched him dead in the face. <laughs> we don't know why. <laughs> Jeffrey's such a lovely child. But you see the brain damage. Children doing things. Do you stop touching me? Psychologists write about a two-year-old child. It's not a two-year-old child that says no that bothers me. If I can't control that, I might as well give it up. You say to a kid, come here. Say, no, you go get it. That's yes. <laughs> people don't understand children, especially people who have no children. A person with no children says, well, I just love children. You say, why? And they say, well, because the child is so truthful. Children are truthful. That's what I love about them. They say, say the truth. That's a lie. I got five of them. The only time they tell the truth is if they're having pain. You get a 15-month-old child knows when to lie. You see, the child crawled into the cupboard to get its favorite cookie. 
15-month-old child knows where the cupboard is, knows where its favorite cookie is. And it will open it up and sit down and take the cookies. You go over and you try to get the cookie from the child, which is also a contest. Here, let me have it. <laughs> I've tried to take things away from grown people. I've never had to say, will you let me have, give me the thing? <laughs> Here, let me have it. I'm telling you, let me have that thing. But here, a 15-month-old child is able to do this, and I can't grab it. <laughs> here, will you let me have the week gift that thing to me? So I take the cookie, and I take the box, and I put the cookie in the box, and I say, you can't have this. You understand? I don't want you to have cookie. Now, and I put it way up here. Now this 15-month-old child, after I've left the room, begins to build a very sophisticated ladder, climbs up the ladder, and begins to try to get the cooking. Now you can hear the paper rustling, and that's in your favor, because a 15-month-old child doesn't know that sound travels. <laughs> They're also not bright enough to hire a lookout. <laughs> so you hear the paper rattling, and you run, and there's a child standing there with a cookie. So you say, what are you doing? Now, this honest child looks at you and says, I was getting a cookie for you. <laughs> so you say, I don't want a cookie. So then they say, well, can I have it? <laughs> don't tell me about the truth. Why did you do it? I don't know. I came home from playing tennis one day, my wife sitting at the end of the table, like this. <laughs> so I said, uh-oh, somebody's in trouble. And I was concerned about myself. <laughs> I'm not the boss of my house. I don't know how I lost it. I don't know where I lost it. I don't think I ever had it. But I've seen the boss's job, and I don't want it. Because that's a rough job, dealing with those people all day. I mean, just dealing with them for an hour is a mess. I don't know. But you see, I'm, I'm a father. And fathers are the geniuses of the house. We're the geniuses of the house because only a person as intelligent as we could fake such stupidity. <laughs> Think about your father. He doesn't know where anything is. You ask him to do something, 
He messes it up. And your mother sends you down. Will you go down and see what your father's doing before he blows the house up, please? That's a genius at work. Because he doesn't want to do it. And he knows someone will be coming soon to stop him from doing it. My wife woke me up four o'clock in the morning. She said, I want you to go downstairs and cook breakfast for the children. And I looked at the clock. I said, dear, it's six o'clock in the morning. She said, exactly. Go down and cook for the children. They have to go to school. I said, yes, but to eat at six o'clock, isn't that bad for your stomach? I mean, they just ate 12 hours ago. My wife said, Bill, get out of that bed and go downstairs and cook breakfast for your children. And I said, well, I don't know what they want to eat. She said, it's down there. Now you'll get out of the bed. I said, but where are the pans? Do we have pans to cook with? She said, Bill, I'm not talking to you anymore. You ask another stupid question. So help me God, I'll get the shotgun out of the closet and blow your face off. So I said, well, there's no need to become violent about this. <laughs> Seem to be having trouble intellectualizing on where the cooking apparel is. So I fell back to sleep again. The next thing I knew, there was a bucket of ice water being shaken over my head. And this woman I've been married to for some 17 years was standing over me like this. <laughs> now you get up and cook some breakfast or you're going to wear this bucket of ice water. So I said, you're serious, aren't you? <laughs> so I got up. Needless to say, I was angry. And I went downstairs without putting on my robe. Standing there in my pajamas. And I'm talking to myself. And I got to get these. Went out and cooked breakfast, but it was six o'clock in the morning, and I slammed the pans down. Bam! On the stove. And I slam them down and go, go over to the refrigerator and look around and get the damn bacon and the sausage. Cooking breakfast six o'clock. Bam! In the morning, and I grabbed it. You have to be careful with eggs. <laughs> Breakfast and boom! Turn around. 
The first one down was a four-year-old. The child looked lovely. Cute, little face clean, hair, little braids, little things, you know. Come on, darling. And I said, what do you want for breakfast? And a four-year-old has the ability to see through and find the wrong thing. And the child saw through my body what was behind me. She saw the chocolate cake. And she said, can I have that chocolate cake? And I said, chocolate cake where? She said, chocolate cake behind you. And I looked, and there was chocolate cake. The child wanted chocolate cake for breakfast. How ridiculous. And I said, and someone in my brain looked under chocolate cake and saw the ingredients. Eggs. Eggs are in chocolate cake. And milk. Oh, goody. And wheat. That's nutrition. What do you want? Can I say chocolate cake? Chocolate cake coming up. <laughs> Sliced it for her and served it. Now, you need something to drink with the chocolate cake. Something breakfast. Grapefruit juice. <laughs> this is not your child. So I give the child a glass of grapefruit juice and chocolate cake. Nutrition. Eggs, milk, and wheat in the chocolate cake. And I didn't have to cook. <laughs> and the other four came downstairs. When they came downstairs, those of you who have children, you've seen them come downstairs for school. Uh, uh... And they got to the kitchen. And they saw the four-year-old eating chocolate cake. And they said, Dad, where did she get the chocolate cake? And they went to the child and said, how did you get chocolate cake? He said, Dad, give me chocolate cake. <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, Father. <laughs> could we have chocolate cake? And their father said, chocolate cake, coming up. Four slices. <laughs> And grapefruit juice. And five children sat at breakfast. And the morning music was playing. And they were eating chocolate cake. And singing songs to me. Dad is great. Give us a chocolate cake. We had a ball until
she came down like this. And when she saw what the children were eating, I've always heard about people having a conniption, but I've never seen one. You don't want to see them. My wife's face split. The skin and hair split and came off of her face so that there was nothing except a skull. And orange light came out of her hair. And it lit all around. And fire shot from her eye sockets and began to burn my stomach. And she said, Where did they get chocolate cake from? And I said, They asked for it. And the children who had been singing praises to me lied on me and said, Ah, we asked for eggs and milk. And Dad made us eat this. And my wife sent me to my room. Which is where I wanted to go in the first place. So you see... We are dumb, but we are not so dumb. It takes great thinking and work to keep from working. <laughs> but the brain-damaged people drive your face. Why did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you hear it in your sleep. I don't know. We have a three-year-old. Everything she wants, she thinks it's all right just to take it. Well, sometimes it belongs to someone else. So the others say, give this back. This belongs to me. And the three-year-old says, Mine! 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 And this sound travels through the house. And the vibrations seek out a grown person's spinal cord. And it makes the legs go up and down. And you have to get up and find out where the sound is coming from. You see this child pulling on something and yelling, mine, mine. And at the end of it is an older child mumbling, no, you got this out of my room. And you go up quickly and you hit the older child. Why don't you let her have it? Don't you hear her yelling? Because parents are not interested in justice. They want quiet. The older child went off crying, and I said, just shut up. She's got stuff that belongs to me, too. 
think you're by yourself and that you're crazy. I came home from playing tennis, as I said before. My wife was like this. And I was hoping that I wasn't the one she was looking like that about. And I went up to her and I kissed her on the cheek. I said, how you feeling, Pud? She said, I want you to go upstairs and kill that boy. <laughs> and I said, right. Because I was happy. I wasn't the one in trouble. Kill the boy, kill the boy. Yes, master, yes, master. <laughs> so I go to kill my son. He was in the room. Looking pitiful. <laughs> and I can understand that because my mother sent me to the room many times. Your father comes home, he's going to shoot you in the face with a bazooka. <laughs> and I am not going to stop him this time either. You know, he's always wanted to kill you. The day you were born, he said, kill it. I stopped him from killing you for 11 years. <laughs> and this is the thanks I get for saving your life. I, I looked at him, I said, your mother sent me here to kill you. He said, aha. I looked at him, and I noticed that on top of his head, from here all the way around to here, there was no hair. <laughs> so I said, uh, son? called him son. I said, what happened to your hair? He said, I don't know. I said, son, take your hand and put it on top of your head and tell me what you feel. He said, there's no hair. I said, right. Now, tell dad what happened to your hair. He said, I don't know. I said, son, was your head with you all day today? He said, aha. Uh -huh. I said, did you cut your hair off? He said, uh-huh. I said, then why didn't you tell me that? He said, I don't know. I said, is this the hairstyle you wanted? He said, uh-huh. I said, a reversed mohawk? 
So I went back downstairs. My wife said, did you kill him? I said, no. She said, why? I said, I don't know. Are you guys married? I, how long? Three years. Three years. Yeah. And you're still holding hands? <laughs> Weird people. <laughs> you married? How many years? 35. Where's your wife? I found out that the male does not pay attention to the vows. The male does not pay attention to those vows. The female does. See, you ask a male, you say, um, can you repeat the part of the vows? You know, not dearly beloved, we are gathered here to witness and all the face and the thing, you know. I, I do leave, doth leave, solely. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> two. Two. Promise two. Cherish. The male can remember cherish. The male can remember honor, love. And then you say, what else? And they say, till death do us part. <laughs> now, when you ask the female, you say... Do you remember the vows? She says, yes. She says, well, what do you remember? She says, obey. <laughs> you say, what about it? She said, well, he's obeying. <laughs> and he better obey. <laughs> and that is how you become the boss. Because you get the male to obey. He's got to obey. I mean... He just doesn't have anything else to do. <laughs> obey. And it's a funny sounding word, obey. Sounds like pig Latin. <laughs> obey. Obey. <laughs> oh, yay, obey. Anyway, my wife is the boss. And as I said before, I don't want her job. I've seen it. It's a horrible job. And I still don't understand how she's going to outlive me. Because <laughs> anybody who's got to do a deal emotionally with those people and can still outlive me, there's something wrong with me. I must be sick. <laughs> Let me give you an example of what I call the same thing happens every night. It's supper time. Do you have children? How old? They're grown now. But how many did you have? Two. Okay. That, that qualifies. Qualifies. Because a person with one child, I don't call them really a parent. 
because there are too many things left out. If you just have one child, there are too many things left out. For instance, if something's broken in the house, you have one child, you know who did it. <laughs> See, you don't have to go through. <laughs> you know the child did it. Also, people with one child do not have to go through, will you stop touching me? I mean, if you got one child and the child's doing that, then you got to take it away, you know. <laughs> now, the same thing happens every night. We have five children. They sit in the center. My wife is at this end. I'm at this end. And our children enjoy their dinner because my wife allows them to listen to their music. So you get to... And the children eat and they... I don't look at them. I just keep... Now, my wife looks the situation over, and she can tell when the children are not going to eat anymore. See, she can tell. They've, they've, they've fooled around long enough. All right, now, you fooled around long enough. Everybody get up from the table. My wife says this every night. Everybody get up from the table, go upstairs, take off all your clothes, get into the shower, Please turn on the water. You have to tell them to do that. Because if you don't, they'll just wander around the tub. And then get out and get in the bed. Please use soap. That's mostly for my son. Rinse yourselves off. Dry yourselves off, put on clean pajamas, get into the bed, and go to sleep. Now, if these brain-damaged children would do that, there would be no beatings. But there's going to be a beating tonight. And the children get up to go upstairs. And I kissed them goodnight, and I tried to warn them. Please, do what your mother says, or somebody's going to get it tonight. And the children kiss me, and they pat me on my head, and they smile and look at me as if to say, Dear man, thank you for your kindness and your wonderful attitude about this whole situation. But you don't understand. We cannot sleep through the night unless we've had a good beating. <laughs> and so they go upstairs, and I can tell they're going to get it because they've started already before they even get upstairs. Will you stop touching me? And you're touching me, you stop touching me, you're touching me, you're touching me. Mine! 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 Now they get upstairs, and all you hear is...
Now my wife talks to the ceiling. All right up there. I know you don't want me to come up there. I don't hear any water running. Now downstairs comes our seven-year-old, the informer. <laughs> this is the same child that my wife sends with me whenever I'm going out somewhere. The informer's favorite words are, guess what? Um, 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 mom, um, 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 mom, uh, um, um, in this is, in this is upstairs, and so, and so I'm going to, um, get into the shower, and so then, um, he took, um, the towel and popped me on the, on, on my behind. Go upstairs and tell Ennis I said not to do that anymore. But my mom already told him, so then uh, he, um, he took the towel, so um, guess what? Um, um, Ennis popped me in on the behind with the towel, so I said, Ennis, I'm going to tell mom or you. Go upstairs and tell him I said not to do it again and take your clothes off. Okay, but I know he's just going to pop me in the behind again, because he's always popping people. Four minutes later, downstairs comes the four-year-old. She is naked and wet. <laughs> Shampoo in her hair has run into her eye. She's running in place and yelling. <laughs> Walking with her, also naked and wet, with a smile on her face, is the informer. See, Mom, I told you. And it's took and pour water on the baby and the shampoo run into her eye and she may be blinded for life. <laughs> now my son, who is 11 years old, comes downstairs. He has on his pajamas. They are stuck to his body because he forgot to dry himself. <laughs> Mom, I'm trying to take a shower upstairs and so then they come in the shower. I told them I'm too grown for them to be showering with me. I don't want them. The baby turns and kicks him. <clears throat> The seven-year-old punches him. <coughs> he punches the baby. <coughs> Shoves the seven-year-old. <coughs> They're fighting. <laughs> My wife turns around, grabs a yardstick. She holds it like a samurai warrior. She then makes an announcement that the beatings will now begin by saying, I have had Enough of this! Now these three brain damaged people have the nerve to look surprised. My wife says, Shh. Children run everywhere. Now my job is I am the goalie. The children come at me, I kick them back into play. Now the beatings are over, not because I see my wife, but because I hear all of upstairs going. Oh, 
Now, here's the funny part. My wife comes downstairs with the broken stick, throws it on the table, sits down, and begins to talk out loud to nobody. going to tell me that you are not going to do something when I tell you to do something. I mean, you move when I say move. Think I carried you in my body for nine months so you can roll your eyes at me? I'll roll that little head of yours down on the floor. You don't know who you're fooling with. I'll beat you until you can't grow anymore. So funny. My wife and I didn't ask for this. We just asked for some children we could send to college. <laughs> My mother and father come over to the house quite often. They're grandparents now. Funny. They're funny people. I've never seen such a turnaround in all my life. My father came over to the house, sat down, went into his pocket and pulled out a handful of, of money and began to pass it out to the children. You know, he, he made the announcement. Now, let's see if granddad has any money for these wonderful children. <laughs> well, five children came from everywhere. <laughs> see, the priorities are there. Money for the children. They heard that, understood it, and responded. <laughs> See, anything else is money for the children, money for the children, money for the children. You have to say it like that. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. So they can hear. My father began to pass this money out. And I thought, this is the same man who, when I was his child, I would ask him... For 50 cents, this man would tell me his life story. <laughs> and my father never told a happy story. For 50 cents, there never was happiness. The man ate dirt till he was 30 years old. That's all it was, was dirt. And he was thankful to eat that dirt. That's the part I couldn't understand. No matter how much he suffered, he'd always say, and I was thankful to get it. My father walked to school four o'clock every morning with no shoes on, uphill, both ways, in five feet of snow. And he was thankful. I asked my father to give me a dollar for the school picnic. He told me how he killed a grizzly bear with his loose-leaf notebook. <laughs> now he's giving money away. My mother kisses every child. Well, just come here and kiss your grandmommy. <laughs> grandmommy just love it to death. And my children think that my mother is the most wonderful person on the face of this earth. And I keep telling my children, that's not the same woman I grew up with. 
You're looking at an old person who's trying to get into heaven now. Yes, my mother, now a grandmother. Same woman when I was her child could not stand my room. The woman would come up and look at my room and say, would you look at this filth? Now, I've already been in the room five hours. She wants me to look at it. I said, look at it. My mother was an authority on pig styes. This is the worst looking pig sty I have ever seen in my life. And I want it cleaned up right now. How anyone can live in this filth is beyond me. I love it when they give you another thing coming. If you think that I was put on this earth to be your slave, you've got another thing coming. And mothers are always more interested in the condition of your underwear than your body if you're ever in an accident. And they tell you that. I hope for my sake, if you're ever in an accident, you have on clean underwear. Well, I thought that's what an accident was. Look, you're driving a truck. Here comes another truck going to hit you. Now, whether you hit the truck or not, you're going to have soiled underwear. Because first you say it, then you do it. here comes your mother to the hospital. Did he have on clean underwear? Yes, we found it in the glove compartment. I love it when they get so angry they can't remember your name. You come here, uh, Roy, uh, Rufert, uh, Rutabaker, what is your name, boy? And don't lie to me because you live here and I'll find out who you are. Take a stick and knock your brains out. I always wanted to get some calves' brains. Keep them in my hand. My mother hit me in the head, I'd throw them on the floor. But knowing my mother, it wouldn't work. She said, put your brains back in your head. If you let your brains fall out of your head, have you lost your mind? And that's another thing. They ask you a question, you try and answer, they tell you to shut up. Day and night, night and day, work my fingers to the bone for what? I don't shut up. And when I ask you a question, you keep your trap shut. Think I'm talking to hear myself talk? Answer me. Make me sick. I'm just sick of this and I'm sick of you. So sick, I don't know what to do with myself. Now, I am just sick and tired. And tired always followed sick. Worst beating I ever got in my life. My mother said, I am just sick. I said, and tired. I don't remember anything after that. But you see, fathers are altogether different. I'm not saying they're better. I'm saying they're different. See, my father established our relationship when I was seven years old. He looked at me and said, you know, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> and it don't make no difference to me because I'll make another one look just like you. 
And because of my father, between the ages 7 through 15, I thought my name was Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ! And my brother Russell thought his name was Dammit. Dammit, will you stop all that noise? Jesus Christ, sit down! So one day I'm out playing in the rain. My father said, Damn it, will you get in here? I said, Dad, I'm Jesus Christ. But you see, fathers are more fun than mothers because fathers are the only people in the house who are allowed to have gas. And they don't care either. They just sit right there and... And you always know when they're finished because they say, oh boy. My father would do it and blame it on invisible animals. You see that elephant run under there? And my brother was dumb enough to look for it. Now here comes my mother. All right, did oh Lord, what happened in here? Said, Mom, there's an elephant under Dad's chair. Did you see it? No, but it lifted Dad up about two feet. You know my father's favorite game? Come here and pull my finger. Thank you for coming. Take care of yourselves. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take the socks off. And you take off my shirt, too. Because he's a seven-year-old boy with a size 13 shoes. 